up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Welcome back to another episode of The Serrated Edge, where I, your bearded Baptist host, am going to offend you, but in the most loving way possible. Today I want to talk about children, specifically your children. Well, what about them? It's important, I think, and it's an imperative, I would say, to catechize your children, or someone else will. According to Barna, the Barna Institute, the percentage of young adults who have dropped out of church has increased from 59% in 2011 to 64% as of 2019, and I'm willing to bet that that has continued to trend upwards. Nearly two-thirds of the U.S. population Now, we're talking 18 to 29-year-olds mostly here who grew up in church. They're telling Barna that they have withdrawn from church involvement as an adult after having been active as a child or teen. So what does this say? What does this say about us in the West, particularly as Christians, even more specifically as Reformed believers? Well, what are the charges of Christian men? What are the charges of Christian fathers and of Christian parents? Well, the Bible has a lot to say about it. But first, I want to take a look at the culture uh, in which we live. We're currently living in a day and age where children are being told by the world, by public schools, government schools, by pagan parents, that they can decide not only what gender they love in terms of sexual orientation, but also what gender they are. They can decide, okay, even though I have male genitalia, I'm going to be a female, and vice versa. To make things crazier, we're also now seeing people identify as animals. Even in our own schools here, we have children meowing in class. And our teachers are being told they need to validate these things. Honestly, you couldn't write a sci-fi story more ridiculous than what the things that we're living through are now. It seems crazy, but unfortunately, this is Western reality. And I would argue that the church is primarily at fault here. Now, what do I mean? Christianity in the West has become tremendously soft. It's become tremendously weak. We have a gospel that's no more than Jesus died for your sins and you better pray this prayer to get your stamp to get out of hell free. We don't have a gospel that actually impacts people's lives. We have an eschatology that tells us we need to hurry up and basically let the world go to hell in a handbasket so that we can usher in the return of Christ. It's a defeatist mentality. We're being told that having five or six or seven or eight or nine kids is a drain on resources. It's too much. We've created households that require two-parent income. They require both parents to be working so that mothers are not home raising their children just to pay the bills. We have feminists telling women that being a mother is a disgrace, or at the very least that they can be a mother and also submit to a boss and an employee employer relationship on a regular basis, full-time while their children are at home being watched by someone else and then being sent to someone else for education. We have destroyed the function of the nuclear family. We have destroyed the definition of the nuclear family. It's not uh, uncommon 
uh, to hear people talking about. In fact, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, one of her goals was to destroy the nuclear family. She said the worst thing a woman can do is to be a stay-at-home mother. (laughs) It's disgraceful. But of course, that is the devil's playbook. And for someone who was trying to destroy both black people and loved killing babies, uh, that does not come as much of a surprise, let's be honest. So what do we do? How do we combat this kind of crazy, insane ideology? Well, number one, take your children out of public schools, if at all possible. Uh, the first time I heard this quote, it was from Vody Bauckham. And he said, don't be surprised when you send your kid to Caesar that they come home acting like Romans. The government has no place educating our children. Now, I'm not suggesting that the only alternative is homeschool, but there are alternatives, homeschooling being one of them. We have homeschooling, private schooling, Christian schools. Why aren't Christians rising up and establishing schools? Well, many of them are. Um, But we know enough about the education that children are receiving in the public school system. And by the way, it's only getting worse. Uh, Some of the teachers even here locally in my very conservative town are bringing home materials and showing us the things that they want to teach young children. Teach young children how to masturbate. Teaching young children how to have sex. Minors. These are things that would normally get people thrown in prison. And yet it's being distributed in many of our public schools. It's madness. And it's evil. We know enough about the public school system that we know that it's not wise. Now, I'm not suggesting, again, that it's necessarily a sin if you have no choice but to send your child to public school. But you're going to have a huge huge responsibility to protect your child and to try to uneducate in a couple hours in an evening what they're learning eight to ten hours a day in school. You're going to have to review everything, and things are going to go on behind your back. These are things that happen, and it's naive to say that they don't. This isn't some fake news. These are things that we can all reach out and find out ourselves. Go talk to your local school board. There may be some outliers, but this is becoming common practice. So number one, get your children out of public schools, if at all possible. Number two, stop sending children away during worship. This idea that during the service we need to send children out of the worship service so that we as grown-ups are not distracted, so that we can hear what the preacher's saying, or we can worship freely without having to worry about keeping an eye on our children. It's like a little vacation from parenting for an hour and a half or two hours on a Sunday morning. It's absurd. It's absurd. Children can be disciplined, and they can grow in discipline, but how are they going to learn to sit still for an hour? How are they going to learn what worship looks like in a corporate setting if every time you take them to church, you're sending them away, again, to be educated by someone else? to be watched or babysat by someone else. You're teaching them that it's not imperative to gather together and that it's okay to go do something else while mommy and daddy are at church. It's grotesque. Keep your children with you in worship. And that brings me to my next point. How can you practice for corporate worship? Family worship. Daily. 
family worship. Right, Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. When you combine that with the responsibility to wash your wife in the Word, what is the one of the best and most effective ways to do that? Daily family worship. Catechizing your children. We have the great blessing of being able to look through history and grasp on to many of the Reformed and confessional documents, creeds and catechisms, and confessions, in order to grasp uh, very concise and well-put-together information, doctrines, biblical truths, already put together in a format that allows us to teach our children. Add to that, we live in a day and age when there's lots of new catechisms out that teach the same truths. As a husband, if you can't spare 15, 20 minutes a day to sit down with your family and to pray and to teach, and to read the scriptures, perhaps sing. If you don't have that sort of time in your day, then your priorities are wrong. You need to rethink your priorities. Now, if your children are being taught from the time that they're born, all through their youth, that they need to sit still and take God's word seriously, and they're going to see you doing the same thing. They're going to watch you pray, learn from you, They're going to learn to mimic you. Children, particularly sons, want to be like their fathers. And daughters like their mothers. If their parents are not setting this example, someone else will be. Someone else is going to catechize your children. I hate the idea of people saying, how dare you indoctrinate your child? All children are indoctrinated. The question is, by whom or by what? It's either going to be by you as their parent, or it's going to be by someone else. It's no surprise that the vast majority of criminals are fatherless. Fathers play a crucial role in the leadership of their family. It's not motherless children that are raging the streets, murdering left and right and raping. The vast, vast majority of criminals that commit sort of heinous crimes are fatherless. Fathers, you have a tremendous responsibility. Catechize your children or someone else will. In doing so, you're going to fulfill the command to wash your wife in the word. You're going to fulfill Ephesians 6.4, bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And you're going to teach your children discipline to sit still for more than five minutes. You're going to teach them that the Word of God is a serious matter and that you take it seriously, that you're consistent. Mind you, you ought to be living in a way that is consistent with what the Scripture says. Don't be reading the Scripture to your children every day and then acting a fool. Be consistent and take it seriously. Let us not spare our children discipline. And what does the scripture say about discipline? Proverbs 13.24 says, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Spanking your kids is a just and righteous thing, assuming you're doing it appropriately. 
That's key. Do do spank your children, but do it with appropriate uh, action. Proverbs 23 also says, Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he's not going to die. If you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from Sheol. What is that saying? Number one, don't beat your children. (laughs) Spanking them is not abuse. And if you are, and if you're putting their lives in danger, the problem is you. You need to repent and you need to cease immediately. And frankly, your wife should call the police. But if you discipline your child properly, not only will they respect you, you see this in my own son, but you're going to teach him. You're going to teach him that there's consequences to their actions. You're going to teach him that God the Father disciplines his children. He will not spare you anything that will cause you to be more like his son. You will save his soul from Sheol. You can spare your child a lot of suffering by disciplining them properly. Here's the deal. I've seen this in my own son. My son is six. I regret not starting catechizing catechizing him sooner. I wish I had. But the difference within just a few days of catechism, a few days of family worship, I immediately noticed a difference in his demeanor, his attitude, his desires. I've watched the Word of God transform his heart. His love for the Lord has grown. His knowledge has grown tremendously. He knows more theology now than most of the evangelical men and women that I know that are adults. If I stop somebody on the street and ask them what the Ten Commandments are, even in a in a Christian venue, most of them, I would argue, are not going to be able to tell me all Ten Commandments. My six-year-old can. Why? Consistent catechism. Consistent family worship. There is no excuse <clears throat> for you to neglect your children in this way. You feed them. You clothe them, you shelter them, you provide for them physically. Are you going to let them starve spiritually? Are you going to let them go thirsty spiritually? When I even think or consider the idea of skipping family worship because of whatever the circumstance, my son says, "Uh uh-uh, no, we need to do this. It's humbling. He holds me accountable. He craves worship. As human beings, we are made to worship. We are designed by God to worship, and we will. We're going to worship something. We're going to worship money, sex. We're going to worship false gods, like truly false gods. We're going to worship something. We are designed by God to worship. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. But if we don't know God, if we hate God, what are we glorifying? Who are we glorifying? Ourselves? Our father, the devil? 
Ah, unless you're not of the devil. If you're in Christ, truly in Christ, you will be being sanctified, and these words will be convicting. They ought to be. They were for me. These are hard truths. These are dangerous truths. But men are called to lead. Men are called to grow children spiritually, to nurture them. Listen, 94% of all Christians are saved before the age of 18. 70% of all young people who grow up in the church are leaving. Just about 70%, 64 to 70% are leaving by, by the time they're 18. Only 4%, approximately, of millennials, my generation, have a biblical worldview. Loosely defined, a biblical worldview. Right? Why are these people leaving? Well, they're seeking answers. But of course, they're not seeking after the truth. But even if they were, they're not getting it in Western churches. They're not hearing that men need to be men and that women need to be women. They're not hearing that, well, they're not hearing from fathers. They don't have fathers. They're living in split families. Divorced families. This is awful. This is terrible, and it's evil. The church needs to stop with the goofy, game-playing youth ministries and start taking theology seriously. Jewish children in the Old Covenant were memorizing the entire book of Leviticus by song. How? How is this possible? Disciplined parents, disciplining their children, catechizing their children, raising their children in the Lord. Do not underestimate your kids. They are capable of a lot more than you might think they are. Truly, kids are incredible. But we live in a day and age when we just want to stick our kids in front of a television, let them watch a show, and we want to go do and and continue in the same things we've been doing our whole childhood. I can't tell you how many parents I know that make it a daily habit after their kids come home from government schooling, they either get a babysitter or they they are sending their children somewhere else, maybe to their parents, maybe to a friend's house, and their parents are going out to party. They're going out bar hopping day in and day out. Now, it's one thing if you send your children away for a, an evening on occasion, take your wife out on a date. These are good things. But when your lifestyle isn't centered around your family, and it's centered around you being a grown adult, still acting like a child, still doing the same goofy things that you did when you were young. See, this is the problem. Children are growing up without parents, even when they have parents. Men are not being men. Women are not being women. Both parents are out of the home working. And someone else is catechizing your kids.
I know these things are probably frustrating you. They frustrated me when I heard them. It's not comfortable to hear these things. But I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell the truth. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5 says this, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who his, whose quiver is filled with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. Children are a blessing. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. My dad used to own a newspaper, a local newspaper in town. And he gave me an example of something that happened to him that illustrates this perfectly. A man came in, upset about something he read in the paper. An old man, obviously handicapped, couldn't quite stand for a long period of time. He comes in, he's not very intimidating. He's frustrated, visibly, but not intimidating. Until his many sons came in with him, surrounding him like an army. This is intimidating. He had arrows in his quiver. And he was not put to shame when he spoke with his enemies at the gate. Now, of course, my dad in this case was not an enemy. But the illustration still holds true. When a man has an army, a lot more gets accomplished. You can do more work with more bodies. We are called to go throughout the world and to make disciples. If you want to change the world, if you want to take dominion, as we're called to do, it's not done through tremendous, uh, heroic, exceptional stories. God most often does extraordinary things through ordinary means. We have the ordinary means of grace, right, in our, in our worship. God does things often in an ordinary way. Marry a godly woman, raise godly children, and watch how they impact your community. Watch how they do things for the kingdom of God. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full with them. Catechize your children, educate them, teach them. Raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Watch their hearts change. Watch them stay in church. And then watch them contend with the world. Watch them take dominion in the world. Guys, I appreciate you listening. I appreciate your support. And until next time, be blessed.